welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. My first appointment was to Mount Vernon first. I'm an old, I'm an old retired pastor, so you get stories. Uh, the, uh, I was the associate pastor, and uh, I don't know if you remember 1981. Some of you weren't born in 1981, but that was my first year of ministry. I just graduated from seminary, went to Mount Vernon, Indiana, and uh, bought my car on a 16% loan. That's the first clue. Um, I was there for two and a half years. After one year, they knew they could not afford me, so the cabinet had been looking for a place for me. Because right before I had arrived, they had built an education wing to the church. So they were in debt for $750,000. That's, that's not, back then that was not, it was a nice, nice investment, but it was, I mean, it was nothing fancy, just rooms. $750. The entire bank board were members of the church, and they go, no, 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 no. We don't want to lock our loan in at 12% because it's going to go back down. At the end of a year and a half, they were paying 22% on a $750,000 loan. I had to go. Okay, all that to say, when I left, this the associate pastor had always been the liturgist. The, the associate did the liturgy and the senior preached, except on the Sunday where you swapped. Well, who's going to be the liturgist? person in the church said, I'll do it. And uh, Ginger was a, a great person. Uh, she was going to be great. And about two weeks later, she called. Called me. She said, Gary, how do you do it? How do you do what? How do you worship and be the liturgist at the same time? I go, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Your mind is always down the road. <laughs> like during the last hymn, I realized, where's the offering place? I'll let you all worry about that because I'm going to preach now. <laughs> it's Sunday afternoon. Picture yourself. It's Sunday afternoon. You're enjoying a few moments of respite, or maybe you're all decked out to cheer on your favorite team. You might be watching basketball, football, or <laughs> you may even be watching baseball or golf. You're watching the game, and suddenly the unbelievable occurs. Just an ordinary game is interrupted by this special play. A player makes this spectacular catch. Or a a player drills a three-point shot from 10 feet behind the three-point line. Or a quarterback or the point guard threads the needle and puts the ball right where no one thought it could go. A golfer drops a 100-foot putt on an undulating green. A team that by all accounts was beaten finds its way to make up the point difference. And in moments like these, whether the team wins or loses, the comeback was unexpected. The play was unbelievable. It was exciting. The images become lodged in the brain. And almost immediately, 
friends begin texting, did you see it? Wasn't it incredible? Oh, you missed it? Look it up on YouTube and then we'll and call me back. Such conversations are repeated with coworkers on one day and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. And the video is shown over and over throughout the week. It's shown from all angles, and of course it's shown in slow motion. And the TV commentators saw, draw so many electronic circles and arrows that you can't even see the players on the field. On Easter Sunday, in Christian worship, we ask one another the same question. Just last week, we asked the question, did you see it? Wasn't it incredible? Can you, you oh, oh, you missed it? What in the world am I talking about? I'm talking about the joy and the excitement that the disciples felt following the resurrection. The word began spreading throughout the community quickly. Different people had gone to the tomb in the second morning after Jesus' death on the cross. You see, they had not been able to do, to finish the, the work, the ritual of burial. And Jesus had died right at sundown. And so a few brave friends carried his body to the nearby tomb. And uh, they, they could do no more because the sun was nearly set and they had to get home. Not only would the world be dark, but the Sabbath would have begun. The day of no work would begin. And I guess that they could have started their work the next day at sundown. But the Sabbath would be over, of course. The Sabbath would be over, of course. But it would be dark. And remember, electricity had not yet been discovered, so they waited for morning light. So on that morning of the second day, they went to the tomb. They didn't have to hurry. Jesus wasn't going anywhere. When they arrived, they discovered that the body was missing. The tomb was empty. Well, not exactly empty. The, the, the cloth that they had used to quickly wrap the body was folded up and resting there on the lock, rock ledge. Something special. Something very, very special had occurred and it was not long before the early disciples started talking among themselves. And they started putting the pieces together. And they realized that Jesus had risen as he said he would. Yes, the prophet Malachi was right. The son of righteousness, the son of God, had truly risen with healing on his wings. Throughout the coming week, the disciples talked to one another quietly. And yet joyfully. Did you see it? Wasn't it incredible? Jesus has risen just as he said he would. Can you believe it? Easter remains the central story of Christian faith. Our values, our insights, our lives, and our ministries reflect the story of resurrection. The church organizes worship to give us opportunity to wonder with deep joy, a, a joy that bubbles up within us and replenish the joy that overflows to those around us. Such is Easter joy. 
We say that today is the second Sunday of Easter. We observe the day. We read the story last week. But today we continue the celebration. In fact, we'll celebrate for 42 more days after today. It'll still be Easter. Easter is not over. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We speak of Sundays in Lent. You see, the Sundays between Ash Wednesday and Easter, you know when we had the purple up here just a couple months ago? Well, actually two weeks ago, and then for six weeks before that. The, the, the Sundays between Ash Wednesday and Easter are not part of Lent traditionally. Christians live and practice the Lenten spiritual acts on Monday through Saturday, and then they gather on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection, to remember why we are doing the spiritual exercises during Lent. So these 40 days of Lent, not counting the six Sundays, are a time of introspection and rehearing the story of salvation revealed in the Old Testament. And then on each Sunday, the community gathers to celebrate the resurrection. We remember that the spiritual disciplines are not the end of Christian faith. Christian disciples merely prepare our hearts to be open to the revelation of God's love for us and for the entire world. I hear you thinking, Gary, are you saying that Easter is not celebrated just once a year? Yes, that is correct. Easter is celebrated once a week. The story is too amazing. The divine gift is too wondrous to suppress. Our joy drives us to marvel and reflect with deep joy, a joy that bubbles up within us, a joy that overflows to those around us. The early apostles tried to keep the faith alive, to keep focused on this. One of the apostles, Peter, wrote a letter. And I believe Mark will read for us a portion of that letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of God in scripture the word of God among us, the word of God within us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Peter wrote this letter trying to affirm this faith 
parts of a group of churches in what is today Turkey. The letter or epistle, as letters are sometimes called, had, ha, ha, has been included near the end of the Old Testament. Now, as an aside, I suggest that you not consider the order in the New Testament to indicate the order of a letter's importance. No, as there's a system. First come the letters of Paul, from longest to shortest. Unless, of course, he wrote more than one letter like Corinthians. And then there comes the not written by Paul letters from longest to shortest, unless, of course, they wrote more than one to the same place. Uh, so let us not say that Peter's first letter is short or less important. Rather, let us consider his, this communique concise. The words we heard this morning are the opening volley in the letter. Letters in Jesus' day opened with the sender's name, Paul, Peter, Gary, followed by the person or persons to whom the letter was written, to the churches of, to the church of, my friend, Mike. And this is followed by a brief benediction. Benediction means blessing. It doesn't mean last words to get out. <laughs> it means blessing, blessing. And then the letter opens with a statement of thanksgiving that generally reveals the purpose or theme of the letter that follows. The thanksgiving of Peter's first letter that was just read is a proclamation of faith and of the joy that comes from knowing Jesus the Christ crucified and resurrected. Blessed benediction. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By God's great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Please don't gloss over these words. This sentence, one sentence, expressed the core, the very essence of Christian faith. Ponder on these words given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead Easter an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading an inheritance kept in heaven, the inheritance that we are truly saved from our sins. We believe. We faith. Faith used to be a verb, by the way. You could believe, a belief, and a believe. You could faith, have faith, or faith. And in this case, we faith, because Peter wrote that we are born anew into an inheritance being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Hearing Peter's words, we recall Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus recorded in the Gospel of John. 
Jesus answered, Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Given us a new birth into a living hope, wrote Peter. And yet, despite this promise, we are not haughty. We are not arrogant. We proclaim with Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And not merely you and me. Not just you and me. I remind you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Such is the reason that we praise God. This is what causes us to gather each week and sing joyful, joyful we adore thee. At Easter, the Alleluia, Hallel, is Jewish for praise, and the Yah is the shorthand for God, as in Yahweh or Jehovah. In Easter, Alleluia is restored to the liturgy. During the Sunday surrounded by the 14 days of Lent, we refrained from the bombastic proclamations of praise and joy. During Lent, we intentionally live the story of God. We recall the stories of the prophet Elijah, where Elijah found the voice of God neither in the blazing fire nor in the roaring wind, but rather in the still, small voice. And in Lent, we are prompted by the words of the psalmist, Be still and know that I am God. And then comes Easter. Christ is risen, we shout. Christ is risen indeed, we respond. And we bust out our spring clothes and we decorate our homes and churches with flowers. And in that seven weeks of Easter, God joins the celebration as the world becomes brushed with floral beauty. Everybody is happy. Well, everyone except those who are allergic to lilies. And then I can't say that everyone is happy. Among us are persons who are facing challenges within their family, a child or a spouse whose life choices continually keep the atmosphere in turmoil, a person who is grieving for a parent who is dying. Yes, among us are persons who are facing illnesses and physical ailments. Some of these ailments will heal and life will be restored. Some ailments will endure until one day the body can continue no more. Some are grieving the dying or the death of one we love. It matters not if your grief is for a friend or for a parent. The grief is real. On this second Sunday of Easter, on this second Sunday of Easter, We're in this continuing celebration of Easter. I can't say that everybody is happy. However, I can proclaim with Peter that we can remain people of joy. The people to whom Peter wrote, people in those kind of like territories of Pontus and Galatia 
Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia had all been the targets of a regional persecution. Christians in that area of what is today Turkey never knew when one of their community of faith would go missing. They did not know if when they gathered the following Sunday, one of their community would have been martyred. Faith was challenging. Faith was hard. Life for a Christian was not necessarily peaceful and pleasant. Life for a Christian was not safe. Thus, right up front in the thanksgiving of the letter, before Peter begins to address it, up front in the thanksgiving, Peter says life for a Christian is not safe. So Peter wrote him saying, in this you rejoice, in the resurrection you rejoice. Even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials. Yeah. Faith in the face of adversity. Life lived with the soul anchored in the promise of Jesus. For the original audience of Peter's letter, nurturing faith was no different than it is for us. They met Jesus, we think. They were more connected, we, we submit as an excuse. Life was just easier back then, we offer in defense. Yet Peter knew the truth. Peter knew the truth, and now that we've heard the opening Thanksgiving, we know the truth too. Peter affirmed their reality. He didn't duck the challenge of their daily lives, but while he sympathized with them, he also affirmed the stories of faithfulness that had been shared with the apostle. Peter wrote, Although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's why we're joyful in the face of adversity. The words of this, his letter remind us of the story of Thomas. You know Thomas. Thomas wasn't ready to accept the story of his other apostles. In his gospel, John tells us that Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room on the night of the resurrection, but Thomas wasn't with them. And they said, Thomas, we saw the Lord. And Thomas goes, uh-huh. Well, the next Sunday, they were gathered again, and Jesus appeared again, but Thomas was with them. Thomas saw Jesus and believed that he had been resurrected. And then Jesus said these words, words that Peter shared in his first letter and words that comfort and, and encourage us still today. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet come to believe. Yes, dear people of God, persons of faith, although you and I have not seen Jesus, we still love him. That's why we're here today. Although you do not see Jesus now, you believe in him and you rejoice with the greatest joy, a joy that passes all understanding. We rejoice because even in the face of adversity, even in the face of illness, even walking through the valley of death, we fear no evil because in all times and in all places, God is with us. God is affirming among us the good news of great joy for all the people. As Peter proclaimed, you are receiving the outcome of your faith salvation of your souls. So today we continue to celebrate the resurrection. It is the story that makes Christianity Christianity. We believe the story. We may not understand it. We cannot explain it, but it's our story. So we believe it. We faith it. 
when we base our faith in the resurrection, we connect with God's promise of salvation. Faith links Christians here and now to the sphere of God's salvation. So faith is less an activity of humans and more a gift of God. Thus it is part of the very content of salvation itself. Faith is the heavenly gift of God. Faith is not so much our act, but rather God's gift to accept and embrace. When faith comes, with faith comes the forgiveness, the salvation, the very comfort we seek. Faith is a gift. It is also a responsibility. We are called not merely to believe the story, but also to become disciples of Jesus. We are called to learn his teachings and called to align our living with those teachings of Jesus. And faith yields salvation and faith empowers us to action. We are empowered to love and care for others. We are Easter people. We are people who are saved and we are people who love. All this is a gift of God. Through the resurrection, we're born into a new hope. We are blessed by God's spirit to embrace the resurrection and find new life. We are blessed by God's spirit to embrace and live acts of love. So I end with the words of two songwriters from the early 70s, Richard Avery and Donald Marsh. They remind us that every morning, is Easter morning from now on. So my friends, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Thanks be to God. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.